Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Love, hey? Love is a many splendored thing, we're told, right? We get lots of information about love and the things that we love, the things that we ought to love, how great love is. Our definition of love expands and shrinks over time as we experience what love might affect us and how we might engage it with us. But I would dare say that our understanding of love is pretty sacrily sweet. Our understanding of love tends to be wrapped up in poems and pop songs and rom-com movies and maybe the occasional romance novel if you sneak that in. And you begin to think to yourself that love is all of these things. And we wonder how can love be present in the now and not yet. In this in-between as we wait for Christ to come again and make all things new as they always were meant to be. This place where love comes down and attracts us to itself. And yet we can look in our own lives and see where love has failed. We can look in our own places and know our expectations of what love should look like and how they fall apart for us. It's so interesting. I've had the privilege of walking with many brides and many grooms as they've planned their wedding days and what they've talked about, about their love. And we do this thing called the Prepare and Enrich Survey that allows people to sort of engage with places of agreement and places of disagreement. And it helps uh, Shannon and I walk with them to talk through kind of, oh, what does this look like and how are you going to deal with this? And it looks at communication and finances and friends and family and all those things. But one of the things that's always kind of interesting to me is they have this graph that's called the ideal distortion. Uh, and it's a place where it's asking questions to determine whether the two individuals have an idealistic understanding of what their love is. And it asks questions like this. There is nothing that my spouse will ever do that will cause me to love them any less than I do right now. And oftentimes people will say, well, of course. And you're like, yeah, because you've known each other a year. <laughs> it uses language that are these languages of absoluteness, right? That never, always. And if you've ever walked in a relationship with somebody for any length of time, you will know never and always should probably not enter into those conversations. Because there'll be times where I struggle. There are probably more times where I will cause you to struggle with how you engage in love for me. 
Yet, when we read this passage, when we hear about this love, it causes me to quake at the audacity of God. That he would say such things about himself, that he would say such things about a love, a love that, that when I look at the world around me, when I, when I sense my own expectations, how quickly it fades and falls apart, it gets tarnished, yet this love seems to be a ruthless, fierce, unequivocating love. A love that knows no bounds. A love that engages. Listen again to these words. What then shall I say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, I've jumped ahead. I'm sorry. I jumped up too far. Who, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. The answer is no. Hardship? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Or nakedness? No. Or dangerous danger? No. Or sword? No. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that death nor life, <laughs> death and life, that's all of the world, right? That's all of who we are. Death and life can't do this. Neither angels nor demons. Anything that is evil cannot separate you from the love of God. Anything that is good <laughs> that you would elevate over God can't separate you from the love of God. Time and space cannot separate you from God. What does he say? Neither the present nor the future. And just to be clear, he says, no power. That's the powers on the earth. That's the supernatural powers that are outside of us who are wreaking havoc. That's the devil who is a lion seeking whom he may devour. No power. Neither height nor depth. Oh, and just to be clear, nothing in creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. What? But I live my life concerned that I'm not loved, or I live my life that I might do something that might cause God to not love me, or I, I live my life in a way that I want to gain love and acceptance. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So, so what does that mean? What, what is this type of love then, right? Give me some of that. How, how do I understand it, how do I compartmentalize it in my brain because it's almost too unfathomable for me to grasp. The first thing about this love is that it is persistent. The word that's most used in scripture is steadfast. But I'm going to do all peace today, so we're saying persistent. It keeps going and going. It cannot stop. It is abundantly overflowing. It is without end. This love knows no bounds. 
It is persistence. And for us then, what does that mean? For those of us who are walking in the now and not yet in the in-between, it means personally when we begin to recognize and see that I'm not feeling love or I'm feeling like I can't love others, I run to the persistent love of the Father. That reminds me that while I may be broken, I am still His. And His love does not fade. You might not know this, but we happen to be, I happen to be, a person who walks in covenantal theology. And in the covenantal theology, there's lots of things that play into that, but one of the things that gets shot around quite a bit is this idea of tulip. You can look that up later. But the last letter is a P. Fitting. It's perseverance of the saints. When I read this passage and I think of the persistent love of the Father, that needs to be changed. If I'm so bold as to wrestle with several hundred years of theology. It's not the perseverance of the saints. It's the perseverance of the Father. Of God. Who says it is Persistent, My love is steadfast. It will not let you go. It has moved towards you and has found you valuable because I've created you and made you and I will bring you in. And so when we are feeling unloved or we feel like we cannot love, we run to the persistent love of the Father that does not fail or change. We recognize that you and I, those of us who are finding Christ, are walking in Christ, we have been given a reservoir of love, a, a deep reservoir that does not end. The second thing that I think we can see in this is not only is it persistence, it is protective love. It is a protective love. He says, persecution and hardship and famine and nakedness and danger and sword are nothing for you. He says that nothing will take you out of my love. It is a protective love. It seeks to, to bring in and to hold. Now, what, what does that look for us in the now and not yet as those of us who are walking in this protective love? Well, the first thing it means is that as we look out and we see those who are facing injustice and those who are being uh, oppressed and, and those who are not able to experience the love that God has for them, that you and I, as those that are followers of Jesus, should step into that place and work to be protective of them. That we should be those who are seeking justice and mercy for the oppressed. That we're calling for the release and the bringing down of systems that continue to go forward to cause those oppressions. That, that we're unafraid to call out those places. And more than that, unafraid to engage in walking with those who are experiencing that. That when someone is broken, we are there to mend. When someone needs a cup of cool water, we are those who will bring it to them. 
When someone is oppressed, we seek freedom for them. That, that's the first way that it is protected. I think the second way that it is protected is it looks to the body, those places that are being built up into Christ, the gatherings, and it says we need to protect one another. And in that protection, we walk with one another, believing in one another, trusting that God is moving in each one of our lives. And, and what that might look like is, is that if there is a time that there seems to be division coming in, if there is a, a time where there are people talking about other people, that instead of just taking it wholesale, we actually go to everyone involved to find out what's going on. We don't just rest back and assume that things are going to get figured out. But we talk to those who might know, actually. Because we don't want to stray from this steadfast, persistent, protective love. See, God has called his body to be united. And the only way that we can be united is in love. Because it's the only thing that breaks down all the barriers. Not the kind of love that we're used to seeing, you know, in movies, but the kind of love that's described here. The kind of love that we found in 1 Corinthians 13, that we prayed through earlier as a meditative response. So it is present and persistent. It is protective. Now, now this one I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to Hebrews for. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that, that this type of love uh, that we see described here it is a love that is purifying. It is a love that is cleansing. It does not let us stay in our brokenness. It will not allow us to be in a place where we are turned in on ourselves. It, it will not rest while we are in a place where we are elevating who we are over who God has made us to be. See, that's sin right there, is when we elevate who we, over, who we are over what God has made us to be. The idea that I know better and that I can figure this out, it's purifying to us. When we encounter this great love, it is one that will burn away all those things that we hold on to that keep us from seeing God's glory. That keep us from seeing who we are in Him. But we can't do that by ourselves. We have to have each other walking together to, to be able to say, are you seeing God's great love for you? Hebrews 12 reminds us that God disciplines those that He loves. Now this discipline is not a retributive discipline. This discipline is not a, a discipline of revenge. This is not a discipline where God has said, you've mocked me and treated me wrong, so I'm going to punish you. This discipline is one of restoration that says, let me show you and allow you to walk in the consequences of turning in on yourself. The bondage that comes so that you will see the great freedom that I bring in my persistent, steadfast, protective, purified love. And so for us, we should be bold enough to do that with one another. And we also have to be wise in how we engage in the world. 
we, we need to know that as we look at the world around us, there are those who have different thoughts and belief systems. And so we must be cautious and, and easy in the way that we bring about God's discipline. In, in fact, Paul says often that why would I judge the unbelievers? Why would I judge those that are in the world? That's not my place. And so if we become too focused on calling out all the bad things that are happening out there without allowing the purifying love to change our hearts and recognize the places of deceit that we have, then we are missing this steadfast. <coughs> and so to walk in the now and the not yet is to recognize that the world is broken and that only God's love that is persistent that is protective, that is purifying, will be the thing that will change it and bring it to the place that it is. But that you and I, if we are followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to live our lives in such a way that it attracts them to it. How I love 2 Corinthians, where Paul reminds us that we are the aroma of God to Christ. And that Christ is the one who is bringing up the captives out from bondage in the train of his robe. And so it is in steadfast love that we walk in meekness and gentleness. That we walk in kindness and we walk in mercy. Especially with those who are not yet, who have not found. But let me be clear. There are times for those of us who are walking together who are in Christ, as we saw Jesus do multiple times with those who should know, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There are times for us to be bold with one another and say, you are off the rails. Because that's a purifying love. A purifying love does not let somebody stand at the gates of hell, peering in the windows, thinking that it might look better than what they have. It is one that says, stop. The grass is not greener. Bondage awaits. Move towards that. So this amazing, spectacular, awe-inspiring, mind-boggling, incomprehensible but comprehensible love is persistent and protective and purifying, but last and most importantly, it is a person. What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? One John reminds us that God is love. All that he is, everything that he does, springs from love. Now, God is holy, and he is righteous, and he is truth, and he is mighty, and he is an overcomer, and he is a healer. But all of those things come through love. Those aren't separate things that are all like God, 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 God. It is God is love. And they find their foundation in that. It's how his love is expressed to us and to the world. And yet even in that, God said, that's not enough. I will show you my love by becoming one of you. 
And so that's what we celebrate today. And tomorrow, <coughs> in particular, and every day, is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. That we see this steadfast, this unmoving, this unshakable love in Jesus Christ because in him, if you remember from our series from Colossians, all of God rests in him. Every bit of our understanding of who God is can be seen in Jesus. And so that is why this love is found in that person. The one who came and lived and died and rose again. The one who is calling each of us to himself today to bring us in to who he is. To find out who you are in him. Now, the reality is this. If somebody were to make a movie or write a book or even a little pop song about this type of love, nobody would believe it. Most of us would think that is just too outrageous. And it is. Yet Holy Spirit inspires us and changes our hearts. Holy Spirit moves us and guides us and takes us so that we can accept and believe by faith that this is the love that we have in the now and not yet. And so we, as those who are walking with Christ, we must walk in this time. And for those of you who are here that you're trying to figure out if this is the thing, This is love. To quote an old country song, stop looking for love in all the wrong places. This is love. A steadfast, persistent, protective, purifying love that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. God, let everything that has been said today bring glory and honor to you. And if something I have said does not do that, we ask that it will be struck from our memory, that we will not hold on to it. Thank you for coming for us and loving us. It's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.